Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. Postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I 
K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny King. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about going diaper-free with elimination communication. EC for short, it's a way of responding to your baby's potty cues that can lead to being diaper-free. This is what everyone did before diapers were invented, and how half the babies on Earth are currently potty-independent by age one. Intrigued? Andrea Olson is here to tell us more. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so very much for listening and for all the love you give the show and for telling your friends about it and for like even coming up to me when you see me on the street to tell me how much you love the show. I truly, truly appreciate that. If what you hear is helpful, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. All right. So for today's renewed episode, I am bringing back my conversation with Andrea Olson on elimination communication. And elimination communication is pretty much Andrea's like focus and passion. She teaches parents of new babies and toddlers how to free themselves from diaper dependence, starting as early as birth through her website, godiaperfree.com, as well as through her podcasts and books. But since the episode first aired, Andrea's continued to keep really busy. When we talked, she had just introduced Tiny Undies, which, as you can imagine, are teeny tiny and very cute underwear for diaper-free babies. Since then, she's also added Tiny Trainers and Tiny Ups, which are pull-up cloth covers, as well as two little potties, the Super Short Mini Potty and the Newborn Friendly Top Hat Potty, which, you guessed it, looks like a top hat. She also wrote The Night Potty Board Book, which is a sequel to her first book called Tiny Potty. And even more impressive to me, she's birthed two kids since we talked. Andrea lives in beautiful Asheville with her husband, five kids, and an array of animals. And I'm going to ask her about the array of animals, but since then, she tells me her chicken count has increased and now it's more around 18 chickens. All right, here's the show. Andrea, welcome. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here on your show. Yay. What are these animals? I'm curious now of your (laughs) array of animals. Well, um, we have four chickens. We had many more, but the possums like to get them. Um, so we're about to re- replenish our, our flock of backyard chickens. Um, when I'm pregnant, I love fresh eggs. So mm-hmm. that's the primary reason for having those. Um, we have several fish and they come and go. But honestly, my best set of animals right now is my two kittens, which I adopted a couple of weeks before my third birth. And they were there as sentinels for our birth. So we've got quite a crew going on over here. Very fabulous. I love fresh eggs too. I don't, I don't do the, the chickens because I, I, that seems like a commitment I, commitment I can't make. But um, I do bees. 
So. Oh my gosh. Well, you're braver than I am. I want to do bees. Maybe we'll have to swap notes. <laughs> Afterwards. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. So in terms of elimination communication, the reason, I mean, I was very excited to have you on the show, but this suggestion for the show actually came from one of the listeners who said, I want to know more about elimination communication. Um, and it's one of those things that when you first, when I first encountered it uh, many, many years ago when my daughter was born, my daughter is 11 now. Um, and just the thought, I was overwhelmed with the basics and just considering changing my whole mindset on diapers was like, I can't, I can't do, I can't wrap around my head around this. But through the years and thinking about it, you know, if you think, you know about this, obviously, that just the thought of expecting our kids to sit on soil diapers, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is. And I, I, what you're saying is the main reason why people don't start or try EC is because it's overwhelming to think about adding that in to everything else we do for our babies when they're brand new. But it is also what you said. It's a, it's a shift in your overall mindset from, do I use this diaper as a backup, which is what they were invented for with cloth diapers hundreds of years ago? Or do I use this diaper as a potty, as a full-time toilet? It's just a choice. Mm-hmm. And it's that mindset of, of, oh, wait a second, I never even, you know, we take it for granted. We just go, oh, this is what this is for and not stop and think. Just like there's all these revolutions that are happening when we're thinking about what we're putting in our mouths, on our skins, uh, you know, in our air, our water. So it makes things, sense to me to look at, oh, yeah, diaper, is it a toilet or not? So I was very overwhelmed. Tell me how easy or is it easy to do EC? Yes, absolutely yes. 100% yes. Um, the problem that parents usually have, though, is that they think they have to be perfect or they think they have to do it all the time or they think they have to do it with a naked baby. And that all just ends up in a disaster. EC for me, honestly, is it's the only way I can ever even look at a baby or think of about, about how to help a baby with its day-to-day -day needs. It's just part of the whole, when you zoom out, it's like, Part of one of the needs that they are born asking for that we just don't understand that they're asking for it. And once I figured that out with my son, about a third of his, my first son five years ago, about a, a third of his cries, I couldn't tell what he wanted. I, I was like, what, why is he so fussy? And yes, he had colic for three months and yes, that was terrible. But there were also these, this set of cries that I just couldn't tell. And, and I, and I was reading up on EC when I was pregnant with him and from plain text, I just couldn't quite understand. And it wasn't even a really a how-to book. It was just a book about it. And um, from being with him for the first few months, I realized every single time he fussed in that way that I couldn't define, it was him asking to go to the bathroom outside of his diaper. And we got into a rhythm and he would wait. He would signal to me and wait. And, and it just was so much easier. It is so much easier with my third now, who's seven months old, to potty my baby instead of try to soothe them, figure out what's wrong with them, and then I'm having to change a poopier pee diaper. So it's, it's actually it's like saved me time and saved me headache of having to listen to a crying baby. <laughs> yeah, and not having to worry about, you know, the la if you're doing cloth diapers and laundry and cleaning those out or the expense of, of uh, 
disposables. <laughs> That's the word I was Sure. Thinking. Yeah, totally. Disposable diapers. And, you know, and, and sometimes with EC, we use more in a day because we really don't want them to sit in it. If we have a miss, which we have misses, it's part of it. It's an accident or a miss, a missed opportunity. Um, but when you look at how many months they're in diapers versus potty training, the average age right now is three years old in the U.S., which blows my mind. Because in 1957, it was 18 months. So just in a couple generations, we've gone really out of control with it. But with EC, I'm my first was out of diapers at nine months, my second at 13 months. And I only used disposables with my second. So I only had 13 months of disposables expense. And then with my third now, once he starts walking, we're getting rid of those diapers. So it's like we might use more in one day than a person who doesn't do EC. But we also have days when we use the same one all day long, same disposable. And you rip the tabs. So you have to throw it away because the tabs are ripped instead of because it's dirty. Mm-hmm. And I think we jump. I jumped right in telling, you know, the overwhelm that I was experiencing way back many, <laughs> time, many, many moons ago. And um, and we didn't like get down to the basics of would you explain to the listeners what is elimination communication? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's a great place to say. Well, we always start with where we're at in our experience, but to get technical with you. Um, EC is basically what they use in places where there are no diapers in today's world. Over half the world's kids are out of diapers, or out of diapers, sorry, are potty independent. In other words, they're taking care of their own pee and poo by the time they're one. So over 50% today are doing this without diapers at all. Um, Over 200,000 years, we've only communicated with our babies about their waste up until a couple hundred years ago. So EC is like the modern version of what we've always done with our babies' wastes before or where there aren't any diapers. Um, basically, it's based on um, just like, I don't want to compare our babies with dogs, but honestly, the instincts are similar. Babies do not like to soil themselves or you or their bed. And they like good hygiene. They like to be able to relieve themselves and not have to sit in it or feel it. And who could blame them? So EC is really, it's not baby-led or parent-led. It's a joint effort where the baby communicates and or the parent picks up on, oh, well, it's been 10 minutes since I breastfed and she usually needs to pee or poop by now. So then we offer and we work together to use um, the diaper as a backup to catch any time when we're not paying attention or the baby just is too busy crawling to to care to signal. And we we instead, we help our babies get their pee and poo into the proper hygienic receptacle until we can hand off the baton and help them to do it themselves, which can easily happen between 12 and 18 months. And it is the parent's decision when to stop using diapers um, shouldn't be left up to the kids saying, oh, I'm ready to stop using this diaper, mom. I'm three now. It's actually really, it supports baby's dignity because it's what they're born instinctually asking for, which is good hygiene and to help teach us, uh, teach babies, oh, how do I do this? Because this is my bodily function and I don't really know how, to, I know that I need to go. I know that, um, I just, I just have control over my sphincters. They're born with that, contrary to the medical text. They're born with sphincter control. They know how to hold it and how to release when they feel comfortable. We just need to show them where to put it. So we can tell them to put it in a potty. We can tell them to put it in a diaper. But EC is based on instincts. And it's just what people have always done up until very, very recent history. 
And a lot of things come to mind when you say all this, but let's take first a quick break and then we'll get into it. We'll be right back. And we are back. So one of the things I was thinking of is that it's so often when you get a new, new, newborn that when you're changing their diaper, that's when they pee all over the place. And that's when they eliminate. Um, And we kind of like teach them not to do that. But tell me more about that. Well, um, oftentimes we change them right when they wake up. So there's a hormone, the antidiuretic hormone, that our bodies all emit, adults and babies alike, that keep us from peeing and pooping ourselves while we're asleep, um, in deep sleep, I mean. And then when that hormone starts to um, step aside, we've got pee. And so when you take off their diaper right when they wake up, it's often because of that. But more so than that, it's because... They don't have any barrier anymore. I am free. Now I can finally let go of this pee I've been holding. Gosh, mom, did you not know that's why I was crying? And we thought it was because they were wet, but really it's because they needed to go and wanted us to take this stupid thing off of them. So it's, um, it's just a little bit of a shift in perspective, you know, with, with a brand new newborn, they signal pretty, pretty loudly when they're hungry, when they're tired, they cry. They're very primal. And when they need to go to the bathroom, it's, I, I call it the best time to start EC is when they're brand new, like on the first day, because then you learn your baby in a whole, a comprehensive, holistic way, including what goes in, what comes out and how often. And so it's like this whole routine and rhythm from newborn. And when you take that diaper off, yes, they hold it even at one or two days old for you to get the thing off. And then all you have to do is hold them in position and aim. And so like these cues sound very similar to me with other cues that we're extremely familiar with, which are the beef hunger cues, you know, of licking and smacking the lips and saying, I want to eat. I want, you know, to breastfeed without getting to a cry or Mm -hmm. the sleep cues where they're, you know, gazing away from the whatever they were interesting interested in and their eyes get glazed over or they might get red around and, and yawn and all these things like those seem very obvious if you pay attention what do the the baby signals for elimination for ec look like ecqs um do vary over time and actually sometimes they can go away and do go away completely when the baby starts crawling and is completely focused on other things and they always come back eventually. Um, a lot of people think they failed when the baby stopped signaling, but from the beginning, I would say during the fourth trimester, we call it like the first three months of the baby's life, um, the signals are much more primal. So we've got generally fussiness, fussiness a certain time after eating, um, is a, is a big signal. It's probably the number one signal. And, and yes, it's a kind of fussiness. that's like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm something and just squirmy and I'm uncomfortable and I've been fine and they go from totally fine to I don't feel quite right. That's a signal. Another one that actually could help a lot of people with breastfeeding if they knew about it is the baby pops off the breast when they need to pee or poop. That is a signal. And when that happens, you can hold them over a bowl or a, a we call it a top hat potty. It's this um, potty from Singapore that that some people sell here in the States that you hold between your legs or we just hold them over a pad and we just let them go to the bathroom in the middle of the breastfeeding session. And then after they're done, 
we put them back on the breast and they will get a full feed. So that signal is very helpful for getting a full feed. If you've got a baby, a baby who won't latch right, they usually can't latch when they need to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so besides fussiness and, and breaking the latch, uh, I would say, uh, oh, the poop signal. Usually very, very – now we have stealth poopers who just let one out without any notice. And we've got <laughs> others who give us some notice. So you could have one or the other and it doesn't mean it, it won't change because it will change. But a fart or a toot passing gas is a great signal for pee or poop. Usually they'll fart and they just need to pee. It's, it's a good signal that something's moving down below and you can hear it. Um, the other thing is some people smell poop but they haven't gone yet. Some people feel wet as if the baby has wetted through their diaper onto their clothing but they open up the diaper and it's dry. So you can feel the bladder filling up. I mean, there's a lot of intuition that gets developed by doing EC. So signals can take on more of a dimension. Um, But basically fussiness, popping off the breast, and then tooting. Um, The other one that goes along with tooting is bearing down and grimacing. Most parents know when their baby is having a bowel movement in the diaper. They just know. So check in with what that is. Um, You usually can have time to say, Wait, take off their diaper, even if they've done a little bit in their diaper, hold them in position over the toilet, or if they're breastfeeding, you hold them over the sink because it's very fluid. You can hold them over a toilet, and we do a little bit of sound association to get them going and, and do it with them. We do a little grunting, <clears throat> and um, that encourages them, and they're in this deep squat, this this position where you're holding underneath their thighs, and you've got their back laid up against your chest and they feel very secure and they're in this deep squat, it is clear that they, that it's okay for them to go to the bathroom and they have their diaper off. So they've signaled by bearing down or grimacing or grunting and you can tell they're trying to push one out. You can say, hey, wait, and take that diaper off and they can finish in the toilet. Then they'll start waiting next time they give you that look and they'll just look at you and start bearing down and turning red and you're like, oh, there's a poop signal. And you get better and better at it as it goes. And then they change, you know, signals change a lot. But the basics are usually, hey, I just ate or I just woke up and then something shifts and I've got to go. And it's that reinforcing both for you and for baby of we are paying attention to each other. This worked out because you were saying at the beginning, it won't always work out. It it, how long yeah. will it take, do you think, be, is your experience before it clicks? Um, you know, with my babies, with my first one, it took me about five months to really get to a good rhythm because I was doing everything by myself and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, actually, really, t- after two weeks, I had a good rhythm, but five months, I really felt like a pro. You know, two weeks, I felt comfortable. Um, with my other two first day I was on it. Um, with my community, you know, I have, oh gosh, thousands and thousands and thousands of readers worldwide, um, who I've helped through multiple babies, some of them, they, um, typically can spend about a day learning their babies. And then depending on how old the baby is and how mobile can have a really successful EC practice within a week. It's just, you know, my book really, really lays it out for for really having a lot of success from the get-go and avoiding the pitfalls. But if, you know, if, if one is just winging it off of information that they've learned and just kind of trying it out, it could take a couple of weeks or months of troubleshooting and figuring out what works to get, to get it going. If you know what you're doing, 
I'd say about a day to really learn your baby and about a week to get it going. And then you, you find your rhythm, you know, you figure out, do I want to do this part-time? Do I want to do this full-time? Um, do I just want to catch the poops, which is totally commendable. And then go from there with whatever goals you have personally, you know? And I like that, that very do whatever feels right for you and whatever feels doable to you approach rather than, you know, you're doing it or not doing it, uh, right. which works also for, I mean, it works when for breastfeeding and it works for, for sleeping. Like sometimes you're going to change something, you only change it on the naps and you only change it at night. Like babies do are able to compartmentalize. They don't yeah. have to be all or nothing. So true. And it's really hard on parents to think I've got to be all or nothing on every single thing. So what gets the, the priority is always breastfeeding. What gets the next priority is usually sleep and then diapers. Oh, I'll just deal with that later, you know, and, and I, and it totally makes sense. Um, if instead we can not, we can let go of trying to be perfect new parents and just do our best at everything and realize that this is all one cycle. The baby care cycle is one rotating spiral. It is just one thing with many components. Um, we can learn to let go of this rigid expectation and just make it a rhythm and do what we can and what we want to do and what works, what creates the most harmony. Do we co-sleep or do we have the baby in a crib in another room with a monitor? You know, what makes the best family configuration? And EC is absolutely part of that. Because mm -hmm, it has to work and I for everybody, the whole yes. family involved, because yep. there's no sense in having a miserable mom or a miserable dad. And yes, perfect does not exist. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, we first time moms always think it does. And it's just, it's laughable. Once you get to your third kid, you're like, oh my gosh, I was so misled to believe that I could actually do this right. <laughs> there is no right. That's the thing. And, no right. and when you think you've got it, they change. Exactly. So <laughs> and that's why EC is my biggest teacher. It's my biggest teacher. I learned the most from um, knowing my child's pee and poo patterns. And I learn where they're at developmentally. I learn when they're about to be sick. Like I know things ahead of time. I've even had clients who uh, are readers who who um, have found out that their child has a very serious disease. And by doing EC, they've become in tune with this, diagnosed it earlier, and then the doctors are like, wow, there's no way your kid could have been potty trained at all until five or six years old, and now you've already got this, this pattern with them. It's great. So, I mean, it goes from, yeah, just the new mom, whatever, no problems, to really seriously important situations where EC can be such a teacher. Mm -hmm. And create a very bonding relationship with if you're so in tune to your kids' rhythms and cycles. Absolutely. Um, even my pediatrician just the other week was like, you, EC, you've just blown my mind. And I have parents who come in here on, on Medicaid, you know, which I've had with all of my babies because I um, don't have or didn't have insurance till this year. It's very common for her to see people who are very, very much impoverished come in with their iPhones and not take their eyes off of them. The whole, the whole um, appointment with my pediatrician, and she's like, and then I see you with your kids, and you're doing, and you're noticing, and people tell you they need to go to the bathroom, and the baby needs to go, and you're very responsive, and 
kids need that contact and babies need that connection with their parents. And, and if you have them in a diaper all day and you're just not even changing it, I mean, where is there a chance for interaction and learning and teaching and modeling and love communication? You know, it's, it's definitely not that only ECers have love connections with their babies, but it enhances it. It can only help. And especially when they're that little, they yeah. learn so much through touch. Like it is actually the way they perceive their world. That's why they put everything in their mouth and like, <laughs> touch is a big deal. It is a big deal. And then even touching themselves. So how many babies actually get to explore their genital area and feel a healthy sense of self-esteem and about their own sexuality from a very young age? You know, they can touch and explore and that part of their body isn't dirty. It is just another part. And it's and, and then us holding them in this easy position is very bonding because we're we are right up close and personal to each other. We're a team. We're bonded. It's really and even people who just do it very part time when they do it and they connect and baby says, oh, you know what I was saying. And the mom says, I knew what you were saying. And there's this beautiful moment of bonding um, and it's very physical and even the sounds we make with them, it's verbal. We're teaching them early communication too by doing this. Like you say something, I I respond and, and we communicate, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, like, it's just, it's, it, it makes so much sense to me. So it's, it's um, something that absolutely should be tried if it sounds interesting because it's not that hard. No, and it's very cool because what you were saying about, you know, even touching their bodies is once they get out of the diaper and have underwear, you see these these toddlers, you know, or walking around with their hands down their underwear because <laughs> it's finally like it's the first time they've actually that part of their body isn't covered up and sealed. Yes, and it's so sad because you get a three-year-old who's just finally discovering his penis, and if he's intact, you know, he needs to be tugging on that foreskin because mm-hmm. that's the natural process. So he hasn't been able to tug on his foreskin at all. And even girls, they they play around as well, and they tr- stretch and pull, and when there's a purpose logically for that, and we definitely um, keep them from being able to do that uh, for a really long time. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about when is a good time to start all this. We'll be right back. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, 
No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at DrMomButtBalm.com That's DrMomButtBalm.com or look for it at Amazon.com. And we are back. So in terms of when to start, is there a better time than others to start? Is there a window of opportunity? Does it get to be too late at some point? Well, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late. So anybody listening, um, whatever age your baby is, if you don't want to depend on diapers full time, you don't have to. You absolutely do not have to. And um, the reason why I have two books now instead of one is because I wanted to make sure that everybody felt like they had a tool. Um, I will say this. If you are pregnant and you can start at birth or between birth and two months, um, you as a parent will stay more committed because it will be part of your day-to-day life. It won't be this foreign thing that you have to learn later on. Um, some people call the golden window zero to four months, but I don't want you to make, I don't want to make any of you feel like you have missed some unseen boat or something. You haven't. Um, my book is divided up into three ages. So it's zero to six months is the newborn, which is different from learning for a mobile baby, which is six to 12 months. There's just, they're different. You're going to observe differently. You're going to use different cue sounds when you have them go and they're going to be starting to sit on a potty independently. So it's just not that it's too late at all. It is not. It used to be called late start EC and I actually changed that. And so I'm trying to help people never say that it's just starting at a little bit older age. No big deal. Um, some places in the world don't even start till six months where there aren't any diapers. So they just clean up messes and then they focus on starting then because maybe it's cold and they've got them swaddled all the time and it's just not convenient. Um, and then we've got our grandparents started around the time when they were walking. Um, 
great grandparents and everybody was done by 18 months because they didn't want to wash diapers. So anywhere between zero and 18 months, you are not too late for EC. Um, 12 to 18 month olds just have a different way of starting because they are toddlers. They've got a lot of brain development going on. And there's some really amazing ways you can teach and wrap up the process as you start. So it's, um, it's a dynamic period. They're all different. And that's why I focus on three different age ranges because it's helpful. It's helpful for each person because every baby is a little bit different, especially in different ages, but there is no too late. No such thing. If you like it, like how it sounds, you can do it today. Um, on that note as well, when our babies are between 14 and 18 months old, their brain development starts to be able to hold, they start to be able to hold repetitive tasks in their minds permanently. So they're able to wrap up the process biologically. Um, when they hit about 18 months, it's kind of my marker that I've set where EC is no longer appropriate at 18 months and over because, not because you missed the boat, because you didn't know about it, you didn't know about it, but because the baby's now a toddler now, and the toddler is actually wanting really fast mastery of anything he does. So you see a toddler sing a song a million times or say a phrase to you a million times, and you're like, oh my God, please stop repeating yourself. They're trying to master that phrase, or they're trying to master that toy. So with... um Gentle potty learning is what I what I call it. Non-coercive potty training is much more appropriate after they hit 18 months. But it can be done in the spirit of EC, which is about two-way communication. But I will tell you this. It's not baby-led. It is not child-led. The child doesn't get to say, I want to start potty training and I want to be out of diapers unless they do and you just did and that's fine. That's how it's meant to be. But really, it's our it's the parents' decision. When are the parents done with diapers? When do the parents feel like, I really want them to be using a toilet? Then that's the perfect time. So as far as when the best time to start is, if you can start at birth and you know about it, do it because you'll stick to it and you can do it part-time. Um, otherwise, you can start whenever you find out about it. And if you find out about it and your child's already over 18 months, then I recommend doing potty training. And I do teach it in a way that is oriented towards EC at Go Diaper Free. So it's kind of like the full package. Parent has a desire, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And we talked at the beginning a little bit of, or more in kind of in depth about the cueing and signaling of a newborn. How is that signaling and cueing different when you have a more of a mobile baby or when you get to that 12 to 18 months? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, that They start to grab at their pants or their diaper, try to pull it off. Some kids will not wear a diaper anymore and they'll just rip the thing right off. So um, you can use duct tape or you can teach them how to use the toilet. <laughs> it's kind of a, a, an important moment there. Um, grabbing their crotch, looking down, pausing after a lot of activity because they're a flurry of activity at that age and just looking down and pausing is a really good signal. At that point, you're not going to catch that particular pee, but you can learn a lot of times with 12 to 18 months old, month olds, we parents have to learn their natural timing. How, what is the rhythm after waking up and after eating of needing to go to the bathroom. And then we are just a little bit more alert during those times, like 10 minutes after breastfeeding, I'm going to keep an eye. And right when he shifts from being really busy to being really still, 
hey, it's time to go to the bathroom. And we're not going to ask, do you need to go pee-pee? Because that's annoying and they will say no, um, even if they have to go. So we just say, hey, it's, it's potty time. Let's go. And we take them when we see that very subtle signal. Other signals can be a word or a sign language sign for toilet um, that you've already taught them. So they will take on um, the parent's prompt becomes the baby's signal. Um, pee-pee is one that kids can say at a really young age. Um, pointing at the toilet, moving towards the toilet, crawling towards the toilet, and touching it for a little or a smaller mobile baby is a signal. Coming up to you, pulling up, and looking at your face going, ah, that could be a signal too because depending on how long it's been since the last time they went or ate, it it's very likely that they've come to tell you that they need to go to the bathroom and they don't know how to say it in words yet. So there's there's actually probably over a hundred signals that I list out of my book. It could be anything blowing raspberries because they're emulating a noise that mm. sounds like pee to them. Or maybe um, my seven month old likes to grunt. He likes to go <clears throat> and make his the poop noise that I make when he's going poop. So they find ways to communicate with us that might surprise us. Mm. That's fascinating. And I think it's important to know a little bit of why we've got three-year-olds who are still in diapers. And it's because these the disposable diapers are so good at yeah. absorbing and keeping them dry. So they never get the, that signal that they're wet. Yep. And that's why I like to use seventh generation disposable diapers because they keep leaks in, but they honestly, they don't wick away that much moisture. Um, babies still can feel the wetness when they're wearing that. I also recommend like a cut up washcloth. You could put that inside of a disposable to increase their sensitivity while you're doing, while you're learning them and observing for, in preparation to start doing EC or potty training. That can help them feel sensitive. If they're wearing cloth, you know, some babies will just pee in cloth and it doesn't bother them. So like my oldest two babies could care, my youngest two babies could care less about wearing a cloth diaper and peeing in it. They won't signal in it. Um, they will signal in a disposable. I, mean, I can speak to the three-year-old, um, the, uh, the change in potty training age just since 1957. Disposables were invented in 61. And then the pediatrician who worked for Pampers said, wait for readiness. And if you read his scientific study, which is published, and you can get it, um, I think I have it on my site somewhere, it's not scientific at all. It's his assumption and his deduction. So I went and got myself a mentor who used to work for Procter & Gamble for 30 years and filed some of the disposable um, pat pat uh, patents and stuff, and he he said, yeah, well, disposables are meant to delight parents, and they do. They make us so happy. And then they got into ages and stages of di diapers, size five, six, pull-ups, and they were delighting parents even more, and they, ha they hit the jackpot. But he'll even admit that it's gone too far. Disposables keep our kids in diapers longer, and pull-ups are diapers. They are not training pants. They are diapers. So we've got a real strong message coming from our doctors that's based in unsound science that is absolutely and was confirmed as funded by the diaper companies to sell more product. I can't blame them because they wanted to help parents, help moms get into the workforce and be, you know, able to contribute to their families. Uh, it's just kind of gotten out of hand and it's really 
made us lose our our potty training wisdom, our sensitivity, our early start. It made us feel like we're doing we're damaging our kids to start early. Quite the opposite. We 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 don't damage our kids by going late, but we definitely impact their self-esteem and their dignity by waiting so long for them to express interests that most never do. Mm-hmm. And now they have these fantastic diapers that have a little signal, a line that turns mm-hmm. yellow when the diaper is wet. So you don't even yeah. have to like put your finger in there and get it wet. True. It's true. And um, he even said about that one that um, they, some parents will say, oh, it's only a third of the way up. So I can let the kid pee in it two more times today before I even have to change it. So it's like this little rising thermometer sort of (laughs) indicator which is kind of scary even so that was scary yeah and I'm sure that you know there's a monetary economic decision making there because diapers are expensive yeah they're so expensive and they're trying to bring them to China and other places where they do EC and they're fine with it um I don't need diapers there. They have nowhere to, we landfill 27.4 billion diapers a year in the U.S. Oh what yeah, is it's, a an place? it's insane, insane amount of diapers. Insane. And, and, never, and none of them have biodegraded. They, they don't. It takes them, what, 500 years? That's the estimate. There's nobody who knows. And they're full of pee and poop, which actually you're supposed to dump the poop out before you throw away the disposable diaper. I don't know if people know this. You're supposed to spray them off. <laughs> nobody does that. Nobody does that. <laughs> No. So we've got the gels that have all these chemicals in them. And I mean, it is insane. And then you've got them using them for three years at the media, at the average. So you've got some using them for pull-ups for five and six years. And here's the thing. Any of your listeners that are listening right now, don't feel bad if you potty trained at three and had a hell of a time with it or at three and had no problem with it, or you love diapers and you don't want to early potty train. It's part of our culture and it's not I don't ever criticize the parents who do this. Parents just don't know any better. And if parents no, are given absolutely. the choice, they will potty train earlier in most cases. In some cases, they won't at all. So it's not a judgment against that, but it's we've been fed such a load of, uh, you know, just a big crock. And I don't think that, you know, we have the correct information out there because parents would make the right choice if they could. And knowing that, you know, instead of having changed diapers all day long with a two and a half year old, Having them go to the bathroom five times in the day instead is so much easier. It's not that it's convenient at that point. It's just that you don't have to think anymore. You don't have to think if you use a diaper. I, I just leave them in there. It doesn't matter. So Yeah, it's and not you don't have to parents. spend the time um, mm-hmm. changing that diaper and chasing them down. And, and, you know, the diaper changing for a lot of kids is annoying and no fun. And they just want to keep moving and they cry and they, it's, it's a chore. It is a chore. And and the parent at that point has usually missed that sensitive period that Montessori um, teachers call 12 to 18 months is a sensitive period for optimum learning of how to be independent with the toilet. And it is easier to train them during this age. It just is. You you, you know, two-year-old, three-year-old is willful. And favorite word is no. So... I, I just think there's so many benefits of of getting an earlier start wherever a parent is and nipping it in the bud as a parental duty because the message we get is that it's our child's responsibility to tell us when they're ready. And that was just made up. So not to get into conspiracy theory, I validated all of this with the employee himself, but I really just feel like we're just relearning 
what it really is to do the right thing with potty learning, toileting, and all of that. And I love that you brought up the idea of the Montessori sensitive period, um, because even though I was overwhelmed, I didn't do, I didn't do cloths either. I had the agreement with my husband was he's like, let's do cloth, and I said, listen, I am doing all of these other things. You figure out the cloth, and we'll do it. So then we did disposables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it happens a lot. I use disposables. I mean, I am not perfect yeah. at EC, and then it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But then um, our daughter did go to a Montessori school and oh. when she was 18 months. And so it was, we got to live that because they said in the classroom, you can do diapers at home if you'd like, but in the classroom, we were going to do undies. Yep. And that's true. <laughs> they have this tiny little potty in the classroom. And if the kid has an accident, they're very matter of fact and, and simple about it. It's like, oh, you had an accident. Let's go change you. And then in the bathroom, and then you get used to it. And then, yeah, they, they kind of potty train them for you. They do. And it's as a group, which is the best way to potty train at that age. It's, it's the sensitive period, but it's also a very social thing. So if we're living in mud huts in an intact culture somewhere, um, our kids are going to crawl outside and go to the potty space as soon as they start crawling. It is a social thing of where to go. So at Montessori schools, it's great. If, if anybody can get into one, get into one because they will do that. They'll put them in cotton pants between those ages and they work actively. It's, in my opinion, it's more important than learning numbers and letters at that age. We don't need our kids to know numbers and letters from 12 to 18 months. Helping them to have control and power over their own bodies is empowering. It gives them so much self-esteem. It is developmentally appropriate to teach potty at this time. And EC is just a wonderful way to do it because it's gentle by nature. But the way I teach it is also very pragmatic and practical, just like your Montessori teacher oh, you've had an accident, let's go change. And you do it the same way every time. It's not emotional, but it's, it's clear. You know, we don't, we don't want to have accidents. And this is how you clean it up yourself, which discourages them from wanting to have more. So I actually have one of my um, Go Diaper Free certified coaches is a Montessori teacher in Colorado. And she is helping me to develop a plan to get more daycares to work on going diaper free with their children in the daycares outside of Montessori because I would pay extra to send my child somewhere if they would potty train them for me. I think it'd be great. No, that's a fantastic idea. That's great. We're working yeah, on it. There's I a lot of red tape. There's a lot of resistance to it. Nobody wants to deal with it. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> well, and that's it. If you're, it's a cultural shift. So yeah. that those are always a little bit harder. Um, but I wish you the best of luck with that. That sounds fantastic, Andrea. Thank you. Well, luckily, I have a great teacher. She's a Montessori wonder this woman so she's way more patient than I could ever be I think it's Montessori is great but it's very you, it takes a lot of patience to live that as a parent too and again no perfection so we have little aspects of Montessori in our house <laughs> yeah yeah no the Montessori teachers are the most patient people in the world <laughs> I have so much respect for them yeah um Andrea, if uh, listeners wanted to know more about what you're doing or check out your book or, or you know, get in contact with you, with you how can they do, do that? 
Okay, they can most easily do that by going to my website, which is godiaperfree.com. And um, I have two books. There. No, I have, sorry, three books there. Um, the board book is for babies and kids, and it's great. There is no other board book that will teach your child the pottying process without ducks peeing everywhere and all sorts of other nonsense happening. <laughs> um, there, it's, it's called Tiny Potty, and that's on my website as well as on Amazon. And then I have Good Diaper Free for zero to 18-month babies and the Tiny Potty Training Book for 18 months and over. There are two chapters for free on both of those pages on Go Diaper Free that you can download and, and preview my books to see if it seems like a right fit. All of the books come with a private support forum where I personally answer questions if you tag me. They're Facebook groups. Um, I've also got video libraries that come with the EC book and a lot of downloads that help you to record and observe. So it's kind of like a multimedia experience because we used to learn EC from other people in the flesh and it was part of culture. So as much as possible, I made my book, which is digital or physical, whichever you prefer, I made it really hands-on to help just make it super, super easy to start. So if it sounds like something you want to do, I promise you, I will make it easy for you. That's, that's what I needed when I started out. Um, my Facebook page is at facebook.com slash go diaper free. And then I also have tiny undies um, for ages six months all the way to I'm expanding to 5T because my undies are the best. They are anatomically <laughs> correct. They fit so well and they don't, they're not baggy. They don't have leg hole gaps. They're perfectly fitting. And I'm coming out with training pants next week too um, that are all, they're all cotton, all natural. And um, they're called tiny undies. So it's at tinyundies.com. You can see more there. Um, that's just to support you for when you want to stop using diapers because you won't be able to find underwear for less than three years old. Even if it says it's less than three years, they just don't fit and they have gaudy characters on them. So buy my undies. No, they're, they're way better. And, um, I also wanted to say that I'm writing a book on unassisted birth. It's a manual. It's called the unassisted birth manual. And that, um, my readers have been requesting. So you can find out all about that by following me somewhere on Facebook. I'm really easy to find or just, you know, get a couple of free chapters of my books and you'll be on my newsletter and I'll let you know um, when those things come out because my goal is to make things so simple for new parents because it's really hard to learn new things when we're brand new at this. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us about elimination communication today. It's been really fun. Oh, it's been fun talking with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Oh, and when I told Andrea I was renewing her episode, I made sure to ask what she had for breakfast. She says that every day she has three eggs from their backyard chicken scrambled with arugula and cheddar, plus half an avocado, sautéed cherry tomatoes, and a banana. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to a mighty parent as they share their amazing story here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2019 by Adriana Lozada. 
Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening.